every match of Rugby World Cup 2011 with no ad breaks during play. Live only on Fox Sports. Touch judges are ready. Side of studio. Referee. Players are lined up. Microphones in hand for the restart. It's now time to form the ruck. The Sunday Rugby Show. Featuring Wallaby legends Tim Horan and Matt Burke. Qantas Wallabies, one team, 2011, live across Australia. The Ruck. And coming up the blind side, Tony Grubber kicks Squires. Yes, hello and welcome to The Ruck. We, you might have heard the names Tim Horan and Matt Burke mentioned Wallaby legend. Sure, but didn't have the ticket to back up today, uh, so I've had to go to a couple of other Wallaby le- legends. I've gone to Rod Kafer, who, of course, uh, Timmy was at the All Blacks Wallabies game yesterday. Didn't bother to turn up. Didn't bother to come back. Rod Kafer has made the trip, and he joins us along with the injured Wallaby, Drew Mitchell. Men, good morning. Good morning. Rod, did you see Timmy over there? I did. Mm-hmm. Tim spent a lot of time in bars, just yeah. um, mm-hmm. lobbing around, doing nothing. You know what yeah, he's like. I know um, exactly what he's like. He was having a late night last night. Yeah. I left him. Well, he mm-hmm. actually went to bed before me. But I stayed up, made the plane, got back here for the show. That's how committed I am. I know. See, this is the thing I, li- I have always liked about you, Rod. And I look, and Matt Burke. He, he didn't even go to New Zealand. I, I've got no idea where Matt Burke is. No, sunning himself somewhere, no yeah. doubt. Drew well, Mitchell, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. Uh, look, you, you're, you're a man who, I don't know, have you already had any contact? Because the boys, they obviously play that game, and we'll get to that in some detail. For those who've just woken up, may not be aware, New Zealand 30 did beat Australia 14, uh, and they do retain the Bledisloe Cup. And that hoodoo at Eden Park continues. Uh, we'll get to that game in its specifics in, in a little while. Have you managed to, because the boys, they flew with Rod Kafer back, you know, they stayed up basically. They've flown and they've been in Sydney now waiting to go at uh, a 10 o'clock flight heading to South Africa. Have you tweeted them? Have you spoken on the phone? What's happening? Uh, I've spoken to a couple of them, but I, I have checked into to Twitter and uh, mm-hmm. and a few boys have posted photos of the of each of the players sleeping in the lounge. So I think there's <laughs> a, a few uh, tired and sore boys there in the lounge there in, uh, in, in the airport. What did you make, just uh, in broad strokes here now, of that game yesterday? From the moment that the Harker and the throat slitting happened, which is one of the ones slightly controversial and they bring out occasionally, there's a sense to me that the All Blacks wanted to show a heap of aggression towards this Wallaby side. Yeah, that's right. I think in the lead-up to this match, um, their their assistant coach, Steve Hansen, spoke of potentially a lack of respect uh, towards the All Blacks and, and I think that's probably why we saw the, the throat slitting harker that uh, they performed last night and you know they, they were just a clinical side and as you said they brought so much aggression to the to the, to the game and uh, and really out enthused our boys uh, Rod, was, what did... Yeah look I was mate I was sideline as you know for the yeah. game and it was the best harker I've seen yeah. ever I ever. think they were so up for this game and I was chatting to a few of the assistant coaches before the teams ran out and they were sort of saying to me in this sort of quiet tone that geez our guys are really up for this game today that you know there was a real element to the game there was an edge to the game and and when that hucker when they did the hucker I just knew you sometimes know when you watch the hucker whether it whether the all blacks are really up for it or not sometimes you can see that they might just have taken the edge off they were as aggressive as I've ever seen them I remember the shots of Richie McCaw and his face during yeah. the hucker it was unbelievable and then they came out in that first 17 minutes you know that was the end of the game so 
it was impressive stuff. I'd heard during the week that uh, Dan Carter had been talking about, in just those terms, right, exactly that how up this team was for it and how up his forwards were for that contest. There was even talk that some of the Crusaders were a little bit, you know, peeved about w- w- the Reds and, and the Super 15 final and the kind of perceived arrogance that was there. So they were intent on showing it, and they certainly did. It was an amazing uh, game of football from them. We'll get into it in some detail. We might even manage through uh, Drew's contacts. Uh, he might tweet some. We may actually be able to get one of the Wallabies on the phone as they wait to jump on a plane to head to South Africa. All ahead on the ruck. See every match of Rugby World Cup 2011 with no ad breaks during play. Live only on Fox Sports. This is The Ruck, the Sunday rugby show. Indeed, this is The Ruck. Tim Horan, Matt Burke not with us, but we are thrilled to have Rod Kafer and Drew Mitchell on the show this morning after, of course, the Wallabies were rolled by the All Blacks at Eden Park yesterday afternoon. And it's a great thrill for me and very, very pleased and happy that uh, Adam Ashley Cooper, who will be waiting in a, a lounge at Sydney Airport to head to South Africa, has agreed to have a chat after the game. He joins us right now. Mate, thanks so much for having a, a chat with us here on the Ruck. No worries. Good morning. As you look around uh, there, are there a few of the boys having a bit of a sleep? Uh, I think you got up at 3 o'clock, or did you go to bed at all? What happened after the game? No, yeah, there's a few tired bodies hanging out in the Qantas lounge at the moment. But, um, no, we got back to the hotel around 12 o'clock, uh, midnight. Um, we had a we had a dinner together and then we were bags on bus at 3 o'clock. So I mean, it was a pretty quick turnaround. Um, I don't think anyone got some sleep, but um, it was a pretty quiet plane uh, right into Sydney. You wouldn't have been surprised, and we just talked about it a moment ago, by the intensity that the All Blacks came at you uh, with yesterday. I mean, that was always going to happen, but gee, they were up for it, weren't they? Yeah, they were, and they always are. Um, you know, that was a focus for us, actually. The first 20 minutes was to match that that intensity they bring uh, into into a test match. Uh, I think we failed to do that, and obviously they got to the start line better than we did, and obviously had a, a, a result um, to the outcome of the game. Kibby, uh, it's Drew Mitchell here. How are you, mate? G'day, Drew. How are you, mate? <laughs> Good, bro. Um, mate, can you talk us through what you're thinking uh, facing that Harker last night? It looked particularly intense. Um, you know, obviously you you stood there in in, in front of uh, quite a number of them when um, you know you've played them in the past. But can you talk us through what you're thinking last night? Yeah, it's a mixed bag, as you know, Drew. Um, I mean, obviously there'd been a, a lot of chat in the media with the in regards to respecting the Harker and stuff like that. So I mean, obviously we just wanted to to stand there. We didn't we didn't join arms uh, like we usually do. We I guess we had a bit of a space between us, but I think for me it was just more looking down the down the barrel and respecting the hack of what they were throwing down, um, and obviously just focusing on uh, my first involvement in the game. Cooper, you um, played in the match, obviously lost it. What's what's been the thoughts now that you've had a little bit of time to reflect on it? Three tries to two, and um, even though you were beaten sort of comprehensively on the scoreboard, my thoughts were it, you weren't too far away at times. Yeah, and yeah, that seems to be most of the feedback coming out of it. Um, we knew we were off, um, but in the scheme of things, it wasn't too far off. Um, I think that um, I guess if we just get the start right, uh, that's certainly going to be a focus for us going into South Africa. If we get that start right, um, I think it'll have a you know a fair fair impact on the result of the game. Um, obviously, intensity and, and the physicality element at the start of the game was certainly affected uh, affected us, but. Um, I think the, the best thing about it is that we've got a week to turn it around, like I said last night, Case. Yeah. Gee, uh, the Kiwis are very keen to hate 
Quad Cooper, aren't they? They put the big image of his face just at the end of the harker there as well. They're trying to obviously, he's a key man. Throws that intercept early. Does that set the tone? Does, did you, your shoulder slump a little bit then? No, not really. Um, I think that's just part of the game. Um, obviously, Quade's got a very creative part to his game, um, and you're always going to get you know long passes and uh, and, all, and all the tricks. I guess that he he brings to the game. But um, I think it's just important to stay positive uh, and just react. Um, and I felt like we we're probably a little slumpish out there at the start of the game, and we didn't react quick enough. Kirby, just on a lighter note, mate, I know uh, I understand that you're at the Sydney International Airport in the Qantas Lounge. Uh, previously, when we've been there, you've always booked in for a facial in that, uh, that day, day spa there. Um, I was just wondering if, if they're, they're open this early, and, and uh, secondly, if you've actually booked in. <laughs> Good one, Drew. That's a G-up. Uh, no, there's been no facials. Uh, I've certainly thought about it, though. Yeah. Um, no doubt sitting with a bit straight, of egg, went, eggs benedict in front of I you. Went, yeah, I went straight to the restaurant and ordered your favourite, egg white omelette. Um, <laughs> With a side of porridge. <laughs> Speaking of which, I mean, you're in a team. Uh, has all the talk been this week, does Warney look better or worse with his uh, the new look? Who? <laughs> Shane Warne. <laughs> I haven't seen him. No way. I've got a computer in front of me. I can Google him. All right, mate. Well, look, it's a it's a great thing for you to have a chat with us because now, obviously, you get on that plane, uh, get to Durban, and so you've got the full week in preparation for South Africa. Who will the Springboks be? They'll be a slightly different proposition to the team that you faced uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, they'll be a different team. I think they've uh, they've got eight or nine players uh, available for selection that weren't in Sydney, so and of their starting team um, of the past. So, I mean, they're going to be a completely different outfit. They're always very, very strong and a complete team over there um, and from what we've experienced in the past it's going to be no easy no easy task so the boys are pretty excited about it like I said before um, taking a positive out of last night we've got a week to turn it around and hopefully we put in a really good show next week well mate all the best for that and uh, hey welcome to the Waratahs as well <laughs> it'll be lovely to <laughs> yeah. have you running around in the blue jersey next season yeah I'm really excited about that actually but uh, thanks there he is, Adam Ashley Cooper, uh, Wallaby, at the airport and taking the time to have a chat with us here on The Ruck. Much appreciated. Plenty to come. See every match of Rugby World Cup 2011 with no ad breaks during play. Live only on Fox Sports. This is The Ruck, the Sunday rugby show. Timmy Hoare and Matt Burke not with us today, but uh, happy to be joined by Rod Kafer and Drew Mitchell, Tony Squires, with you. Since Tim isn't here and he's a man who always insists that I give uh, club rugby scores from Queensland... Uh, I'm not going to. Queensland Club Rugby. Uh, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Kaif, you've got no idea what I have to put up oh, with. I hear it. I hear no it. No idea. Sometimes, mate, it's Somet- I know. Sometimes just some obscure team running around in North Queensland gets a run. Yeah. Uh, you know, I should be going, like, I'm in the Hunter today, the Pecolban Reds. Maybe I should get their score. Yeah, you should. Yeah, I think they're playing very well at the moment, the Pecolban Reds. Uh, we're not doing that, but what we are doing, of course, is still giving you the chance to win stuff, all thanks to Hard Hammers. Why wouldn't you want to win a hammer? The best hammer in the market, the old Hard Hammer. Basically, you have to answer this very simple question, SMS your name, and the answer to one triple nine one zero four nine. Here it is. In the 1999 Rugby World Cup final, Australia scored two tries. Ben Tune scored one. Who scored the other? In the 1999 Rugby World Cup final, SMS your name and the answer. one triple nine one zero four nine. Heart Hammer comes your way. All right, we spoke to Adam Ashley Cooper about, Cooper about that game yesterday. Very keen, boys, to hear from you. I, I, I mentioned the, the Quade Cooper through the intercept past early. He, he seemed to be, you know, his actions 
He's a brilliant player. We know he's a brilliant player. Does he have to keep playing that way, or is there, is there a second level, a kind of fallback position that he needs? Well, I mean, one of the great challenges for Australian rugby for this Wallabies team is is finding a, a game B. They've got a pretty good A game. They know what it is. They know how they want to play. But I think the All Blacks in particular worked it out last night and they were prepared for it. And when Australia played that way and came out deliberately with their counter-attack, Quaid at 15, they kicked to him. They had a great kick chase and put a lot of pressure on. It um, played right into their hands. And Drew, you, you, you've played in that side with with those guys in the back line. The the, the challenge is probably finding a level head or somebody to do a little bit more of the talking rather than necessarily the guys who are always fixated on the ball in Will Guinea and Quade Cooper. Somebody outside them has to talk. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, there's so much focus on Quade Cooper these days because of his brilliance, like you say. But, you know, the guys outside him are the ones that can see the opportunities that are that are available. And, uh, you know, the voice needs to come from them. And, you know, Pat McCade's only played a few games now and, uh, and Adam, Adam actually Cooper a little bit wider. But it just seems like they need a bit more of a steadying influence somewhere in that midfield. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, believer that, that Matt Giddo should be there at some point. I mean, I, I know Quade Cooper provides a lot of brilliance, but at, at times uh, you need to steady the ship and, and, and play, um, you know, the game management needs to be there. And I think with the assistance, um, you know, of a guy like Matt Giddo outside Quade, then we'd get that balance there. And, uh, and, you know, and I think, uh, you know, at certain crucial times of the game, we'd come up with more positive results. Matt Giddo, of course, running around for the uh, Galloping Greens of Randwick yesterday in club rugby, just putting his hand up and, uh, well, hopefully he will get a, a start. Before we get to that again, Drew, just just give me an update on, on where you're at injury-wise. Yeah, so my, my uh, ankle's come along really well, actually. I'm, I'm going to uh, try and replicate a full week of training this week and, uh, and hopefully be right to play potentially on the... Uh, say the 20th of, uh, of August um, otherwise definitely for the Barbarians against Canada or on the Gold Coast uh, the night before the boys play the Blitters low in Brisbane When you did that leg and uh, there was pictures certainly on 7 News we had uh, of you uh, recuperating in bed, you seem to be surrounded by a, a, a lot of <laughs> Drew Mitchell memorabilia, there were jerseys on the walls photographs, was this your own room? Is this what you have? Uh, is you drift off just pictures of you doing stuff? Uh, no, that's um, that's just a you know a doting mother that uh, you know has a few things uh, on the wall. But uh, certainly, if, um, you know anyone that comes to my house, there's certainly no no memorabilia on my walls. But um, you know, it was good to be cared for anyway. Very sweet, Drew. Very yeah. sweet. You're a real mummy's boy. Too, yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's nice. Hey, hey, Cave. Um, the All Blacks. They were called Dad's Army. They they really stood up yesterday. They have the great ability to peak between World Cups. Does New Zealand really now have... Can they dare to dream about what's going to go on Rugby World Cup 2011? Look, stupidly over the last few years, I've thought, right, this is the end of Richie McCaw. He's over. He's done. Yeah. He's dead and buried. (laughs) And he comes out and plays like he did last night. I mean, that was his best game of rugby for the season last night. There's no doubt about that. He hasn't had a great deal of football this year. The other player who never ceases to amaze me is Dan Carter and his capacity to make decisions, the right decision under pressure every time, when to kick, when to run, what to do. He made two or three try-saving tackles last night that were just unbelievable. But I think in their experience in their side, I mean, you know, I've seen a lot of Bledisloe test matches played in a few. That was the best um, all-black performance, I think, on reflection that, that I can almost recall. I just thought they were outstanding. The Wallabies threw a lot of pressure to, to them. I mean, it, at the 30-minute mark, we'd had um, four and a half minutes in there, 22, and um, the All Blacks had had 20 seconds in our 22 in attack, and they were leading 17-0. And that was a reflection of the game. They were just absolutely brilliant when they got their opportunity. And, and we didn't we didn't have anywhere to go. And I'd, I, I think there's a real 
one of the issues that, that Australia have is just how they come to grips with moulding the Queensland style of play, which was very successful and involves quite a few of the key players for the Wallabies and the rest of how Australian rugby wants to play. That's that's a challenge. But I think the um, All Blacks, I was on the flight home with Kearnsey this morning and we were chatting away about um, what we thought of the, the prospects and Phil made the prediction, well, that's it, the All Blacks, they're done. They'll win this game. They'll win all the test matches until the World Cup, but they'll yeah. lose it. That's He's called it. And he, he's called and, it. And at the last World Cup, he actually called... He did call in 2007. He said it, he said it a function that the um, French would lose the opening match to the um, Argentinians and then France would play New Zealand in the quarterfinal in Wales and France would beat New Zealand New Zealand would be knocked out. So he's got form. Wow. He's got form. It happened. 2007. <laughs> Could happen again. Kearns. The great Phil Kearns. Yes. Pete Murray. Always a winner, which is exactly how you would describe the uh, great John Eels on the footy field. And it's, as you'd expect, continued off it, but uh, in a slightly different way than you would expect. He is the Australian Sudoku champion. Yes, I said Sudoku champion. I managed to catch up with a great man earlier in the week. G'day, mate. Hi, Tony. Competition is an important part of your life and certainly was... It's interesting that uh, the Sudoku, which you are now involved with and uh, I have found out so good at, when did that become part of your life? Oh, it's funny. I used to love doing crosswords and when doing all, all the travel, I've always spent too much time on planes. Well, yeah. the last 20 plus years I have anyway. And I've always loved doing crosswords on planes. And all of a sudden, these squares with numbers in them started appearing next to the crosswords. So mm-hmm. I started to try to do them probably about mid, uh, mid-2000s, 2004, five, and uh, really enjoyed doing them and just kept going. So far that, in fact, you're now swapping the Wallaby Gold jersey for the Sudoku Gold jersey. Look, I've, I've got to be reasonably humble in what I say here because... <laughs> Don't because be. I, I, no, I'm, I need to be because it actually wasn't... A, well, it was a reasonable achievement from my perspective, but I think there's a lot of people out there that could definitely beat me well and truly in Sudoku. But they just what, haven't turned up yet to the tournaments? No, well, there was only 12 people turned up to that <laughs> first tournament and they were specifically invited and it was built around a rugby test in Perth last year. And, um, I specifically invited because they're under five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was the only one who was at... Uh, no. um, it was actually organised by a guy called Mick Collis, who yeah. wrote a book who's involved in... Um, has always been involved in rugby, desperately wanted to represent Australia in something, wasn't able to achieve that, and then started... was sitting next to his mate on a plane one day who was doing a Sudoku puzzle. Mm. And he said, what's that? And he told him what it was. Got off the plane, Googled to see if there was a world championship in Sudoku. Found out there was. It was in Goa in India. Yeah. And uh, found out how to become a, a uh, member of the Australian team. Had to be selected by the Australian member of the World Puzzling Federation. There was no Australian member of the World Puzzling Federation. He became that member. He selected the team. They went to Goa and uh, didn't do particularly well in the championship, but they went there. And then last year, he decided to have a Australian championship, the first official, and uh, that was the one I won. But the competition wasn't too hot, I can tell you. I just love the fact that there is something called the World Puzzling Association. Just a lot of people sitting around going, hmm. Federation, Tony. Oh, Federation. Federation. <laughs> You've got to get your lingo right. Yeah, indeed, it's indeed. a bit like the World Wrestling Federation, World Wrestling. So many different, different titles. Yeah. yeah. So what happens now? This, the 2011's in Hungary, yeah? Uh, it is. It's in Eger in Hungary. And so 
the there is another competition which is the Barocca Focus 50 plus Australian Sudoku Championships and and anyone over 50 can enter for one spot in the team and the Sudoku you go to the website sudoku-challenge.com.au I'm writing this down because between you and me Elsie I just turned 50 Oh really well yeah. there you go yeah. well you qualify Excellent. You're, you're the target market, Tony. I am. I could also travel around Australia for $2 on, on light rail. <laughs> <laughs> when you were playing, when I mean, you talked about uh, puzzling, other teammates, were they involved in that or were they kind of just listening to music or, you know, were they puzzling? Well, you had the full extent. You had the ones that just slept the whole time. Mm-hmm. You had some that would big readers or yeah. um, other forms of literature that could barely be classified as reading. <laughs> Came um, with staples in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> delicately played. Yeah. What about what about my boys? What about Timmy Horan and Matt Burke? Would would they have puzzled? I'm not sure that they were puzzling at times. <laughs> yes. But uh, I'm not sure they were puzzlers. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about Berkey. He may have done the odd one. I'm not sure it was Timmy's forte. No. All right, mate. Look, it's so lovely to talk to you, and it's so great to know that uh, you're still using your brain for good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a pleasure, Tony. See every match of Rugby World Cup 2011 with no ad breaks during play. Live only on Fox Sports. This is The Ruck, the Sunday rugby show. Tim Hoare and Matt Burke not with us, but Rod Caver and Drew Mitchell doing it. Look, I was going to say an exceptional job. I meant to say a better job. Just doing a better job than Tim and Matt. Well, uh, it's a low base, though, Tony. Yeah, That's yeah. why we're coming off, mate. So it's all, not hard. No, and all the calls have. Well, what have you been. How long has it taken you to get to the right people on board? And yeah. here we are. We have them. I was just interested after uh, t- speaking with uh, Eelsy about the Sudoku. Sudoku, Sudoku, I don't know. Sudoku, I'm going to go with. Uh, the Puzzling, the World Puzzling Federation, in which he's part of. You know, when you're in a team, there is a lot of time. We were speaking with Adam Ashley Cooper earlier today, and they've got the big trip. They've played the uh, Let Us Lay yesterday. They've flown from New Zealand overnight, basically. They're in Sydney. They're about to take off any minute to go to South Africa. There's a lot of time on team buses. There's a lot of blokes just hanging around doing stuff. Over the years, because there's a couple of slightly different areas between you, Rod, and uh, you, Drew. How did you, Rod, first spend your time and that, that downtime when you weren't training, when you just had to fill in the hours, was it Sudoku or puzzles? No, no, it really no. wasn't. No. Sudoku, I don't think it had been invented in no, was probably 2,000 year old Chinese torture yeah. <laughs> tactic, <laughs> but it wasn't really popular. Um, yeah. we were, obviously, I was before the, the great um, electronic age of mm. electronic devices in your hand. We used to we used to do one of two things. We used to play cards. Ah, so the Mad 500 tournaments running ah. around had a trophy. We used to travel with a trophy. Wow. Or we'd go to the pub and <laughs> have a few beers. That's mm-hmm. typically, we had a, as you recall, there was a former coach of the Wallabies, Rod McQueen. Yes. And my time during the Wallabies and at the Brumbies for many years, really the only way to deal with um, with Rod and, and the sort of state of mind that he put you in was to try to dull the senses by going to the pub and having a few beers. And that was literally how we survived uh, a few years and won the World Cup in 1999. We got off the plane in 1999 to the World Cup and had a massive bender, and I think that put us on the right setting for that to win that tournament. Are you suggesting something here, Rod, for maybe this year? Well, there's, I mean, there is, look, there's form there, Drew. That's all I'd say. There is form. <laughs> there is good form. We were sponsored, lucky enough, by Guinness on that um, tour back in 99. Oh, that was Steak in a glass. Yeah, steak in a glass. And that's and that's really all you needed for the mm. seven weeks of the tournament. A Guinness a day. Kept <laughs> the course. doctor away. Did you have, uh, you know, who, who were the inspirational figures in that team in, in terms of this activity? Oh look, well, well, look. Firstly, on the on, on the five hundred side, there were always mm. the cheats, and they tended to come from 
Um, the Bags? Well, no, I was going to actually say the Randwick Club in Sydney, but... Uh, <laughs> Owen Finnegan and David Knox had a pretty um, dynamic duo in the 500 uh, tournament. They were hard to beat. Uh-huh. Uh, cards under the table, all of that sort of stuff. Always going Mazair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Open Mazair. There you go. Thanks very much. Everyone put them down. Um, but uh, then uh, we... He, Owen was pretty good, actually, when he'd head off to the pub and have a beer also. He'd typically mm. lead the charge. Um, yeah. I was lucky enough to be in the... In the last couple of weeks of the World Cup in '99, funnily enough, the last three weeks I was what was called a double dirty, so I didn't get stripped for any of the games. I was outside the 22. Yeah. My job was just to organise where we were going every night of the week, and I'd have a sort of crew of guys, maybe six or seven, who'd come out for a couple of beers and dinner, and then be, next night there'd be a couple of other guys come out for beers and dinner. That was my job last three weeks. I nice did it work well. if you can get it. I did it well. <laughs> Drew, uh, the modern era, the bloke who's now sitting in an airport lounge, is it the you know they've got the iPhone? Are they playing? They got you know download apps what's going on yeah it's certainly the uh, the area of technology I mean uh, the boys have, have been looked after by Blackberry so um, you know the boys are, are all on that but also just Twitter I mean it's almost to the point where we go on a team dinner and, and guys just don't talk we, they just they're on their phones and they're, they're tweeting and Do they order order their food via Twitter well they, they just tend to maybe ride on their phone and then just show the, the way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it's almost like that it's it's like uh, Hey mate, what are you, what are you having for dinner? And then tweet it across the table. Like it's <laughs> it's almost getting to the point where we're going to have to reintroduce each other. But um, cl- hopefully that that doesn't correlate out onto the field. But you know, I mean, I think uh, we need to maybe get back into some cards or yeah, because it's not cards. really social. That's not social networking. That that's unsocial networking. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny there. to say it's social networking when um, you know there's there's not really too much interaction going on with those right next to you. Do do you you two boys? And I've asked this of, of, of Timmy and Matt. Obviously, Drew, you're still you know, you're playing. The, the competitive urge that a sports person has, and, and Rod, you clearly had it as a player, where do you find places where you just have to try desperately to win now? Well, that's interesting. I, I, look, winning, winning is always fun, but I, I never really had a great desire to win at rugby. I really played because it was good fun and it was enjoyable. I just played because I loved it. Mm. I managed to, I was lucky enough to win lots and lots of things just being in good teams actually, no, no fault of my own really. I was just <laughs> in, in many, many good sides over the years and won plenty of tournaments but um, you know, winning winning was never necessarily the most important thing. What I think what was always important, the thing that to me that was more important was actually everybody having a good time and typically mm. If you had a good time, you won more games than you lost. Because if you're not having a good time, people don't put that little bit of extra effort in. So, mm. And Rod McQueen ensured you had a good time, obviously. Well, we were forced to find our own way to have a good time <laughs> under the great Rod McQueen. Look, no, Rod was, Rod, was, Rod was an interesting character and uh, difficult at times, but we managed the best we could. See every match of Rugby World Cup 2011 with no ad breaks during play. Live only on Fox Sports. This is The Rock, the Sunday Rugby Show. Rugby World Cup 2011, almost upon us. Uh, yesterday there was a great game, the Wallabies and the All Blacks, and during the World Cup there'll be people who are looking forward to those kinds of contests, not me. I'm looking forward to the more emotional contests, like this one, the might of Portugal versus New Zealand. Stade de Guerlain, Lyon, France, the perfect venue for what many still call the perfect game of rugby. It was the 15th of September 2007, a perfect autumn's day, and the combination of beautiful French sun and grass allowed for New Zealand and Portugal to provide the perfect spectacle of sporting prowess. 
dad to Gerlin had been kind to the Portuguese over the years, with their football team making it to the semi-finals of the UEFA European Football Championship in 1984. This historical success, plus a largely second-string New Zealand team, left many saying that this Rugby World Cup game was the Portuguese's to lose in what English referee Tony Spreaders Spreadbury has referred to as his toughest assignment. The Portuguese, or as they're affectionately known, Os Labos, counted the All Blacks two tries within the first 13 minutes with a superbly taken drop goal. The might of the Portuguese then peppered the All Blacks line with attacking raid after attacking raid and conceded a mere six further tries before the end of the first stanza. Similarly, the second half was all one-way traffic. With the Portuguese mammoth, Rai Cordeiro, crashing over for the first point of the half, the Portuguese used this momentum to put their stamp on the game, choking only 56 further points out of the Kiwis. As the full-time siren rang through the hearts and minds of all men, the 44,000-strong crowd had seen a total of 121 points scored. Surprisingly, New Zealand had scored 108 of them. After the 95-point loss, Tomás Moray, the Portuguese coach, summed it up perfectly, saying, This is an excellent day for rugby in Portugal and rugby across the world. I don't think it was a disappointing game. We played rugby from first to last. Well said, Tomás. The 108-13 scoreline certainly suggests that. Magnificent. I know more about Portuguese chicken than I do about Portuguese rugby. Uh, <laughs> I have to admit. A- any insights, Drew? Well, funny you say, Portuguese chicken. Stephen Moore, the mm. current uh, Wallabies hooker, owns yeah. a Nando's uh, franchise in, no. in, in Belconnen in, uh, in Canberra. But, um, <laughs> but even more so, a really good mate of mine from school, um, his younger brother, Joe Gardner, uh, has now been learning his trade of rugby over in Portugal and has played for the national team and is still playing for the national team. So Very uh, Portuguese name, Joe Gardner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not too sure if he even speaks the language, but he, he pulls on their national jersey and, uh, and does pretty well. Nothing like playing against the Minnows in the World Cup. In fact, 99, my only test try was oh. against uh, one of the rugby giants, Romania, mm-hmm. in um, in a match, and I have actually no recollection of it, no memory whatsoever of it. Why? Did you get hit in the head, or was it that, uh, you know, Owen recall. Finnegan in a pub afterwards? I think it was either one of the two. It was either the Berwick Barnes or the Owen Finnegan <laughs> phenomenon, and I don't know which one it was, to be honest, Tony, but I have no memory. I read it in a... I read it in a Stats book on the Wallabies and thought, I didn't think I scored a try. Yeah, well, that Romania, that game, of course, um, when you say you scored a try that day, I'm trying to think of the people who didn't score yeah, a try. Right. 66 <laughs> points to six, I think. Or oh, 66 points to nil, I think the game was. Yeah. Mm. That is beautiful. We'll look uh, again next week at a Rugby World Cup. Man, we'll come back next and wrap it all up for you. See every match of Rugby World Cup 2011 with no ad breaks during play. Live only on Fox Sports. This is The Rock, the Sunday Rugby Show. Just wrapping it up for you, we did offer you the chance to win that beautiful hammer. When I say beautiful, it's a very odd word to describe a hammer, but I'm going to say it again. Beautiful hammer from Hard Hammers. Nothing hits harder. The question was, in the 1999 Rugby World Cup final, Australia scored two tries. Ben Tune scored one. Who scored the other? It was, of course, a man known as Mellon. The man who we've learnt today from Rod Kafer is a mean 500 player, loves going Mazaire, loves leading the charge into a pub. His name is Owen Finnegan. He is the, uh, the man, and the winner is Paul. Paul from Petersham, thank you so much. Congratulations. Just wrapping it up, boys. They got rolled by the All Blacks yesterday. They're on their way. They're jumping on a plane as we speak to head to Durban to play the Springboks next weekend. Can the Wallabies come back, Rod? 
Uh, I think they can. It's going to be tough, though. Um, the Springboks will have a much better side out, so they're going to be up against it. Drew, what do they have to do? Oh, I honestly think they just need to get over there and just seek maybe a little bit of balance. Um, you know, the boys you know, could potentially be a little highly strung after that performance, but the quicker they move on from that, enjoy themselves and, uh, and, and bond together a little bit over there in Africa, I think, you know, the, the further we'll go to getting a good result this weekend. And it was a good result here on the Ruck today. Rod K for Drew Mitchell, been an absolute pleasure to have you on board. Please do come back and join us again. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Timmy Horan, Matt Burke, all is forgiven. You can come back next week and we'll join you again. Have a great week. Go out, support your footy team. See ya. See every match of Rugby World Cup 2011 with no ad breaks during play. Live only on Fox Sports.